Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program and community that helps women who have had their lives disrupted by trauma to reclaim their health and step into their power. At Empowered Rx, we believe in the transformative and healing power of fitness, nutrition, and mindset. We're here to give you actionable tips and resources that will help you get back on track and reach your goals. We are here to help you turn your struggles into strengths so that you can be so strong, so healthy, and so empowered. Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program that helps young girls and women to turn their struggles into strengths. Today, I'm here to talk to you about menstrual dysfunction. Now, this is a common side effect of abnormal levels of stress, trauma, and eating disorders. It was previously thought that in order to lose your period, you had to have a low body mass index, okay, BMI, a low BMI or a low body weight. But there are clinical studies now going on that suggest menstrual dysfunction often occurs even with abnormal attitudes of eating but without weight loss or diagnosable eating pathology. So this is where it gets really complex because we'll have subclinical uh, eating disorder cases, which means they're not diagnosed, but they're still impacting the woman's life. These cases are especially troubling because they will often go untreated for years and years and years. The average woman that seeks help will end up getting her period back But just because we return to normal eating and having a healthier relationship with food and exercise doesn't mean that it returns right away or even in a time that really makes sense if we're looking at it from the lens of weight gain. And so today we're going to dive deep into how your menstrual cycle impacts your mood, your sleep, your body, your hormones, and why your period might not be back yet, even though you're far into recovery. One of the first things that I like to make sure of is that we have a good understanding of the menstrual cycle at baseline. What does a healthy period even look like? A lot of us got our sex education from high school or from our moms, and I don't know about you, but there was not much science in the details that they shared with us. In fact, the period topic in general can be quite taboo and is a source of shame for a lot of young ladies. And so these conversations can be awkward to navigate and we recommend finding a guide that can help you either talk to your doctor, help you advocate, or just make you feel more comfortable about your female body. What happens in each phase of the menstrual cycle? Basically, we'll focus on the four stages, right? So the follicular, ovulatory, luteal, and menstrual phases. Each of these phases is complex and multidimensional, and multiple systems are related. One that people often overlook is the endocrinology system, right? Our hormones. And so this whole process starts in the brain. There's something in your brain called the hypothalamus, and it's responsible for releasing these hormones. Your brain chemistry gets completely altered when we have an eating disorder and is malnourished. So a lot of this actually begins right in our brain, which is just fascinating to me. So the follicular phase begins on day one of your period. The hypothalamus triggers this release of FSH, which is called your follicle stimulating hormone. And this is the beginning of your cycle. It's the beginning day one of your period. FSH is produced and it goes right to the ovaries to let them know it's time to start preparing for an egg. 
So the eggs are kept in the follicles of the ovaries uh, until it's time for ovulation. So estrogen levels are low here. They're gonna steadily rise as we reach ovulation, basically. And as it rises, the lining of our uterus will thicken to prepare for pregnancy. The ovulatory phase that I was just talking about is when estrogen in the body hits its peak, and it's literally the halfway point in your cycle. It signals the body to release LH, luteinizing hormone, right? So when this happens, ovulation is triggered, an egg is released to the fallopian tube where it will stay there for 12 to 24 hours anticipating implantation. Estrogen and progesterone will continue to increase and thicken the uterine lining. This is also known as endometrium, by the way. Testosterone will also start to increase. So your libido might be highest while you're ovulating. And we're going to do a whole other episode on libido because I could go on and on about that. Um, But yeah, you're at your most fertile at the same time that you want to hop into bed with your partner. And so there is a reason for that, right? Our body is sensing that it is primed, fertile, and ready to go. And so it's going to make you more in the mood to have sex with your partner. The luteal phase is that the follicle that released the egg is now empty and it starts to produce estrogen and progesterone that continue building up the uterine lining and it's gonna make a happy home for your egg. If it gets fertilized, then you become pregnant. And progesterone is essential for maintaining a healthy pregnancy, okay? If conception doesn't occur, here's what happens. Your body recognizes that baby making is not going to happen, and so it breaks down the estrogen and progesterone it was producing, and it starts to decline. The lining that it helped to build will get ready to shed since we won't be needing it for pregnancy. Voila, this is where menstruation comes every single month. And this is also when PMS symptoms tend to pop up because hormones are going to be fluctuating a lot, and we might start to feel our energy wane as low, especially if we have an imbalance. The menstrual phase is when we start to begin to bleed, and this overlaps for a couple days of the follicular phase, right? So PMS, we start to bleed. It might be light, might just be symptoms, but no blood yet. It's all different depending on so many different variables. But I want to explain what's actually happening when you're bleeding, since that's like 99% of the reason that we have to dig deep to figure out why it's not happening when we're in recovery. So the drop of progesterone after conception doesn't occur and it causes the endometrium to shed along with the egg, the blood, and all the other fun mucusy stuff. Anyways, blood can be many shades of red, it can be bright, it can be brown, and there's some information on what those colors mean and we're gonna go into that in another phase. We've got lots of female health to go over in the future here. But during this menstruation phase, estrogen drops and it starts to prepare for the next cycle. So when we're resting, right, it's preparing, our body needs to prepare. We've expended a lot of additional energy just trying to, uh, you know, get ready for our next cycle. And so if we're under eating, we're going to be in an extra energy deficit anytime we're supposed to be getting our period. When we start to food restrict to a certain point where we go into starvation mode, our body literally says, you know what? I need energy to beat my heart or whatever other organ systems are functioning and are of most importance. So we're gonna shut this one down because this one isn't necessarily like most important right now, right? We don't need to be pregnant right now because our body can't even survive. 
All right, so now we're gonna hop into the fun stuff and we'll still have some science, but I promise you it's gonna be more practical application kind of information that you're gonna be able to be blown away by because our whole lives are operated by hormones on a daily basis, men and women, but especially women. Now, one of the things I'm gonna say to you in a minute is usually shocking to women. The amount of calories that your body needs on a day-to-day basis changes. So if you're tracking in MyFitnessPal and are obsessed with hitting your numbers right on the dot, I'm sorry, but you've been wasting your time. Now, I know a lot of people use MyFitnessPal and I don't wanna knock it because different strokes for different folks, right? But in the eating disorder world, MyFitnessPal is seen as a tool that is not helpful. In fact, it's been part of uh, many people's history with disordered eating. And so we try to break people free from using and depending on tools like these to feed their bodies and gauge their hunger. So yeah, your body is constantly changing. Hormones are fluctuating on a daily basis and your cycle changes all of your hormones to the point where your caloric needs are going to vary and so will your relationship to food and hunger. Oftentimes our relationship with food is complex and also rooted in our emotions and our mood, which is greatly dictated and impacted by our menstrual cycle. So one of the funny things is that all of these hormonal changes have an evolutionary purpose, right? So if we think about this from a logical perspective, ovulation occurs halfway through the month, that 12 to 48 hour period where we are most fertile, right? So one of estrogen's effects, which is increasing in the first half of our cycle, is to make you feel more receptive to other people. It makes you want to care for and be around others and it helps you communicate. It's the hormone of closeness. Okay, so our first half of our cycle tends to be pretty positive. You have to find a mate somehow, right? So just so happens your libido is going to increase at the same time as your estrogen in preparation for ovulation. Estrogen is a mood elevating effect that makes us feel optimistic and outgoing. It's a great time to embrace your life and we tend to make better decisions and slower decisions with regards to our health in this first half of our cycle. Now, if you have low estrogen, you might actually find that your mood is not so great during the first half of your cycle, like it used to be or like other women's might be. And when we're in recovery from trauma or eating disorders or any time that our reproductive system has been disrupted, like we're gonna, it's gonna take a while for our our estrogen and our other hormones to balance again. And so a lot of times people will be in recovery and will wonder why their mood is not improving or they'll wonder why all these other things are happening even though they're doing everything right in recovery and it can be so frustrating. But one of the things to consider is, is my period back to normal? And if it isn't, you likely have low estrogen still, which is causing you to have irritability and maybe some sadness. If you're somebody who does not have their period or who has an abnormal period and you also suffer from like biweekly depression or anxiety, I'm going to encourage you to track it along with your cycle and see if it lifts as estrogen decreases and your cycle changes or if it gets worse for that second half. Now, progesterone is a hormone that actually can help us, you know, start to feel more 
self-care oriented and less about being social. And so we tend to focus more on self-care and rest. Uh, Progesterone can have a calming effect. You'll also notice your energy wane. So if you're not aligned with these changes, that can also manifest as depression or moodiness if you're not like in tune with what's happening to your body. So by knowing how our body changes at these different times, not only can we be aware of maybe when something is off or our hormones might be imbalanced, but we can also tune into the fact that like our emotions might even be dictating our mood, our actions, our thoughts, or our feelings, anxiety, depression. And so by knowing that we can sort of take the edge off and put a buffer between us and whoever or whatever we're dealing with. I know when I was going through trauma with PTSD that my cycle definitely had an impact on my symptoms and I just couldn't figure it out for the longest time like why is there a certain time each month that my PTSD symptoms get worse and it was the same time during each cycle and it aligned with lower levels of estrogen where I just was not feeling happy right and so all my hormones were all over the place now I don't know about you guys but when I don't get enough sleep it certainly impacts my mood and the menstrual cycle dictates our sleep a whole lot whether we realize it or or not and it also impacts our dreams so when progesterone increases right we're going to actually sleep better unless we have premenstrual dysmorphic disorder and then we might actually see bouts of insomnia i think it's like 70 percent of people with premenstrual dysmorphic disorder end up with insomnia so if progesterone is all wonky your sleep is likely to be wonky as well and then when we are bleeding and menstruating we will probably have um, more bad dreams if that is something that might happen to you or we just might not sleep well or feel well rested and that's to be expected as well unfortunately so yeah the menstrual cycle is immensely complex and that's not even adding in the complexities of trauma or an eating disorder or other chronic illnesses so you can see how uh, easy it would be to get confused about why your period's not coming back if you are recovered or in recovery to the point where your weight is restored and you feel like you're thriving. Losing our period is a source of major concern. And there's two kinds of loss, okay? We've got primary amenorrhea and we've got secondary amenorrhea. Primary amenorrhea is gonna be basically when a girl doesn't get her period by the age of 16. Um, This is typically caused by chromosomal abnormalities, functional problems, or even issues with the hypothalamus or pituitary gland in the brain, okay? But if a girl starts her eating disorder into uh, before puberty, actually, or while she's going through puberty, she might not end up getting her period, or she might just spot or something like that. But if a woman's previously had her period and it stops for three months or longer, that is definitely secondary amenorrhea with the absence of pregnancy or menopause, Okay, so it has many causes and it's so important to find out why our periods have stopped so that you can get the health you need. Ovulation is a vital sign of general good health. Without education, we might think that not having a period is kind of awesome, right? Because it does disturb life every now and then. And for some of us, it can be quite debilitating, but our periods serve so many more purposes just aside from pregnancy, right? It can, having no period can lead to bone loss, which 
At its worst would be osteoporosis, bone breaks, infertility, and this is all stuff that is super consequential down the road. It's like almost uncommon for women to miss periods. A lot of times people might say that their period is off cycle because of stress. It's okay to have intervals of irregular periods, but it doesn't mean that like nothing is wrong, right? So if there's something that lasts for six months and it's just very irregular periods, I would talk to your doctor. But when we have amenorrhea, that's just the complete absence for three months or more. If you are ovulating regularly, you will create enough estrogen to promote the uterine lining growth, right? The egg is released from the ovaries. That's ovulation. Once the egg's not fertilized, it moves on and the lining is shed in the form of menstruation. If there's a malfunction in any of the organs directly involved in stimulating ovulation, okay, whether it's the brain, for example, like the hypothalamus or the anterior pituitary gland, um, or the over itself, it will completely disrupt the process of ovulation and we just won't get, um, periods anymore. And another common cause of regular periods is going to be polycystic ovarian syndrome, but we'll talk on that again another day. So if a young woman is an elite athlete before she starts menstruating, menstruation may be delayed due to low body weight. When the sport is stopped and weight restores, they still might not get regular period. And so there's a real risk for young athletes. Um, and we can have something called the female athlete triad. And that is a, an eating disorder basically that accompanies bone mineral loss and some other disturbances that has to do with athletes. So bone mineral loss, absence of period in female athletes with concurrent eating disorder struggles. And that is an extremely big concern. How are we gonna treat amenorrhea? Well, this is up for your doctor to decide, but I do wanna explain kind of some of the approaches that doctors might take. If somebody is considered overweight, then the doctor might recommend that she lose weight to help the polycystic ovarian syndrome or to help rebalance hormones. Women who have a very low body weight will be told to increase your body fat. You need to gain weight essentially. That's what they're going to say. But then what happens when we do restore weight? Well, we need to look at therapy, nutrition education. All of these things interact with our mind, our body, and every single process that occurs within us. Medications might be necessary depending on the cause. And there might even be like surgeries necessary if there are other things going on like ovarian cysts or adhesions that might be causing the absence of the period. One of the things that I'll notice happens frequently with some of my clients in eating disorder recovery is that they're so focused on restoring weight that they actually aren't getting that many nutrients, right? So maybe they're eating calorically dense foods, lots of carbohydrates, lots of high fat and dense foods, which is absolutely necessary for the body to heal and restore. But we also need those nutrients. We need those fatty acids. We need protein and all those other things. They're going to be deficient in someone who hasn't fueled properly. And so if our body is getting the signal that, hey, I'm, I'm low on these nutrients, I'm 
I'm not getting what I need, even if we're getting the caloric needs, our nutrient needs are not being met. And that can signal to the brain that we are not prepared to ovulate basically. And so it will cease that function until we're able to have energy needs met for the rest of our um, systems that are prioritized, like our lungs, our respiratory system, and our cardiovascular system. So the brain and their reproductive system have this amazing biofeedback loop. And what's even more impressive is that the hypothalamus and pituitary gland have this biofeedback loop with virtually every system in our body. That brain is constantly communicating, sending out hormones and neurotransmitters to help function optimally. So basically guys, the hypothalamus contains integrative systems that support life like food intake, uh, energy expenditure, reproduction. When we have an eating disorder, um, we're going to see that there's a reduction in the hypothalamic levels of certain hormones. And this is gonna lead to not only this reproductive consequence, but we're gonna have diminished thirst mechanism. We're gonna have diminished hunger hormones. We're gonna have less emotional regulation. And we can end up getting really, really um, ashamed of our mood, of our behavior, the change in our personality. And we have to realize that it's all starting in the brain with neurotransmitters. This is not something to be ashamed about, but it is something to get treated. So again, I wanna keep this podcast about periods and menstruation. Okay, if your period is absent, I want you to talk to your doctor or to your nutritionist. We need to be making sure we're eating full nutritious meals several times a day to let our body know we're going to take care of it. We need those nutrients to let the body know, hey, we're giving you everything you need. You can start working for us again. We're with you. We can work together as a team rather than us destroying our body by not feeding it or giving it the care it needs. So at this time, guys, when your period needs restoration, it is really, really pivotal that we don't overexercise. I would actually really promote the idea of eliminating cardiovascular activity in general and starting weightlifting. Okay. And that's going to be based on the stuff that it does to our hormones. When we exercise, our body is going to go into almost like fight or flight mode, right? If it knows that exercise is something that we've used as a tool to control our weight and that that weight got dangerously low, when we exercise and have that extreme bout of energy expenditure, that body's gonna go back into survival mode. And so we really need a period of time where we're not doing cardio or anything that gets our heart rate up too high. Weightlifting is gonna promote bone mineral density. It's gonna promote muscle mass and gain on the scale. It's gonna promote confidence. So we always encourage weightlifting and we really, really, really are against adding cardio in until normal function of all systems has returned. Now, getting your period back can take months to years. Um, It shouldn't take years, but if your body is constantly been under stress or has been sick with an eating disorder for long periods of time, then it might take a really, really long time for your period to come back. And so the question I always get is, what am I supposed to do? Stop my life forever? What am I supposed to do? Not exercise anymore? And, and here's the thing is our body has to know that we are safe and it has to go through this period of homeostasis where it rebalances and it is healthy at baseline before we can start adding in other things. 
And a lot of my clients will say, yeah, but don't I need exercise to be healthy? And the reality is, is that yes, the general population needs exercise and movement on a daily basis to have those added health benefits and to reduce the risk of chronic disease. However, for those who are struggling with eating disorders, okay, or post-traumatic stress disorder or any other kind of chronic stress or illness, we have to be hypervigilant about making sure that we don't overestimate our need for exercise. Our bodies have been through so much. They are exhausted, they are fatigued, they are beaten down. Exercise is not going to have the same impact on the individual with the eating disorder as it does on the average population. It could cause a higher chance of relapse. It's gonna cause fatigue. It's gonna make your nervous system more wound up and revved up and ready to go. So for you guys to sleep better, to really nourish your brain health, your body health, and your soul, getting rid of the cardio is absolutely essential. Now, if you're somebody who is still in recovery, we might always be in recovery, right? But if we're freshly in recovery, we're freshly weight restored, heading back into your sport might be something really, really exciting that you're looking forward to. In fact, we almost feel punished when our sport gets taken away from us. However, we have to look at the big picture long-term. What are the chances of relapsing by returning to my sport too soon? What are the chances of injury if I return to my sport too soon? What are my chances of having a miserable time or mentally struggling if I report back to my sport too soon? Unfortunately, many people will go on to relapse because they've returned to their normal activity too quickly. And we can be really, really hard on ourselves about this, but if we go in with a plan and we trust the process and what the team, medical teams are saying, then we really, really, really will be better off in the long run. Because once your body is ready to exercise and move again, it will tell you. If it is an emotional attachment to exercise or need to control our body that is pushing us back into our sport where we feel like we need to catch up to our peers, these are absolutely the wrong reasons to return to sport. And we absolutely would recommend that you speak to somebody to get a second opinion. Now, one of the other things to consider, guys, is a lack of menstruation. Uh, not only does it like decrease the estrogen, but basically make it so that you have no period, decrease bone mineral density, it leads to other deficits in the body that have to do with muscles, tendons, and ligaments. And so if you return to sport and you're not healed internally, that structural damage hasn't been repaired to its best ability our likelihood of injury skyrockets. So when I was in my worst phases of post-traumatic stress disorder, I wasn't eating very well, and this was secondary to me being really stressed out. This was not about me controlling my weight or body image. I was so stressed out to the point where I stopped having a hunger cue. And that year I ended up blowing out my ACL, MCL, and my meniscus just jumping up to spike a volleyball. Now I've been playing volleyball for years, I've been an athlete for years, I've lifted for years. This should not have happened and there's so many reasons it might have happened. I could have landed a little bit weirdly, but I truly believe that my lack of sleep, my lack of adequate nutrition and hydration played a humongous role in me getting injured. 
So guys, that's all we're gonna go over today. I'll be back in the future to touch on each of these topics we've discussed individually. Um, but yeah, if you don't have your period back, reconsider getting back to sport, reconsider adding in cardiovascular exercise. And really, you need to find a health specialist who understands the complexities of trauma and eating disorders in order to actually bridge your health back to a state of wellness. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And I just wanna let you guys know that we're giving away a free body image workbook on our website, www.empoweredrx.org. A window will pop up. I'll also put the link in the show notes. You can download that 100% free. It's our hope that we can help somebody feel just a little bit better about themselves out there. And if you're on our website, go ahead, look around at our blog posts, look around at our offerings. We might be able to help you out even more. And you can always join our free community um, on Facebook. So our free community used to be called Empowered RX. So please, if you're looking to find us, you can find us now at Women's Growth Group, Turn Your Struggles Into Strengths. Women's Growth Group, Turn Your Struggles Into Strengths and you can request to join. We'll ask you a few questions, but you'll automatically be let in as soon as we see that you are not a robot or trying to sell things. Uh, it is a safe and inclusive space for people who have gone through trauma, stress, chronic illness, eating disorders, and it's a place to gain strength from one another's support. So guys, enjoy your day. Reflect on the things that we talked about. No period. Consider your workouts wisely. Look at your diet be kind to yourself, and lead with compassion. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empowered Rx. If you want to find us for more information or to understand more about our services, you can find us on Instagram at EmpoweredRx, or you can join our free Facebook community filled with women who are all trying to get healthy and happy. To find that community, simply go to Facebook and search for the Empowered RX community. Have a great day, you guys, and stay well.